Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome along, everybody. It's a bit of a different full throttle this week because uh, we're actually in my hotel room, aren't we, James Whittam? This is not something I thought I'd ever say. We thought I might get a little bit better audio. We're back at the circuit. The guys are trying to clear... Uh, the TV compound up, uh, so there's no room there, and there's a lot of noise going around in the paddock because people are just uh, leaving the circuit, cleaning up, uh, checking garages apart, and all the rest of it. So we're just going to get a bit, a bit more quiet. Here. Yeah, this is nice actually, isn't it? Uh, we're in Riccioni, by the way, which is one of the many seafront towns along the Adriatic coast of Italy. Here, uh, what a classic weekend! I mean, every single race has not failed to give us drama and overtakes and surprises and crashes i mean the championship's just like a yo-yo isn't it yeah overall a mega weekend at every single class like you say um both super bike races were brilliant for different reasons one in horrendous conditions uh, yesterday heavier rain than i've ever seen at a race meeting actually uh didn't rain for long that heavy uh but it was a wet race and it was an exciting race. It was a drama filled race. Uh, today, completely dry and really warm, humid at times. But yeah, again, some cracking racing. Can we just say very quickly before anything, um, a quick hello to Chloe Jones, because we understand she's had a bit of a nasty accident at Mallory Park today in a in a club race by the sounds of it. So a broken collarbone there, we reckon, and a bit of bruising. So best wishes, Chloe, from us. Yeah, um, hope you're all right. Um, it's, yeah, never nice to break your collarbone. It's one of the better bones to break, to be quite honest, because it heals up fairly quick, but it's really painful at the time. I've done quite a few, so, uh, yeah, get well soon, Chloe. Yeah, Chloe, of course, one of the junior Supersport riders back in the BSB paddock, and we'll be there this coming weekend at Knock Hill. OK, where do we start then? Because we went into Jerez with Bautista leading Ray by 43 points. We've come out of Mizano, and he's leading him still, but only by 16 points. We've got to start, I think, probably with the championship leader, because for the second race two in a row, he's thrown away the lead on the second lap. Yeah, lots of theories flying about as to why um, he's made a couple of mistakes like that when really he wasn't under much pressure, either in terms of championship position or in the race. You know, he, he looked like he had the pace to pull away in that race too because in the Super Pole race earlier that day in very similar conditions, albeit with a slightly softer rear tyre on, um, that, that wouldn't have lasted for the, the whole 21 laps of race two, uh, he did clear off. So, uh, yeah, bit bit difficult to suss out exactly why. Uh, chat with Shane Byrne, his theory is that he pushes on to try and get a little bit of a lead and make it easy for himself as the race goes on, and it's because he's pushing. Uh, I get that, yeah, and there might be an element of that. With me, I rather feel that uh, the two... 
they're completely separate crashes, although very similar crashes, both right-handers, both on the brakes into a, a sort of mid-speed uh, right-hander, um, and he lost the front. So in that respect, similar crashes. But this circuit is what I think made the difference in the Bautista incident um, because Misano over the weekend, well, in general, it gives different grip uh, levels at different times depending on what the circuit has been used for in the preceding weeks and how much rain they've had and how much dust has settled on it because they get dust here quite a lot. Uh, offline, it's treacherous. It always has been. And they also get a lot of sun. It's a hot circuit and that can affect the surface as well. And what I would say is uh, it was an innocuous little crash, but it's a crash that's happened to a lot of people in exactly the same way this weekend and on that corner mm. and others. Um, so if I was Bautista, I'd be putting it down to experience and thinking, right, well, there was mit mitigating circumstances. The track wasn't at its best. We haven't seen uh, record pace lap times this meeting at all. But I would be slightly worried that if he kept doing it, um, mm. Jonathan Ray ain't going to take much asking to catch him up in the championship. Well, for the first time in ages now, he's within one race win of points, isn't he? It's just 16 points now and 25 available. Even a second place would give Jonathan Ray the lead if Bautista didn't score next time. Um, but as Matt Roberts said in the programme earlier, James, as you've also just hinted on there, we shouldn't forget that it is Bautista's first season and he's made hardly any error so far we would have expected a few at the beginning normally wouldn't we and he just hadn't made any yeah not many mistakes um, got to grips with the bike really quick always had the pace every single meeting um, even on paper it doesn't look like he's had a brilliant meeting he has always had the pace and let's not forget also that Jonathan Ray did exactly the same thing albeit a different corner um, in the Super Bowl race so yeah, you know yeah. it's, it's easy done and particularly easy at Mazzano this weekend for whatever reason track condition we always say it ain't over till it's over. We've only just got to the halfway point of the year. What about what Jonathan Ray did then? Because at that point, it was back up to 40-something points when he crashed in the sprint race. Rare error there from him. But to pull the bike over the top of him and get back on and rejoin and finish, what, was he fifth, I think he was? Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, that, that's just the way the crash happened. He lost the front. Uh, he's sliding it along. What he did do was keep hold of the handlebars. Didn't want the tyres to dig in and the bike flip over and knock a handlebar or a footrest or a gear lever off the bike that would have prevented him from continuing uh, so he, he pulled the clutch in and the when the bike slid to a halt it was pushing him along and he kind of gripped his leathers gripped and the bike flipped over the top of him but that didn't look very pretty but it, it definitely would have prevented the bike getting a lot of damage he picked it up dead quick and he got back on it and he got back on it in fifth he didn't pass anybody from fifth he actually picked it up in fifth well I think six, and then somebody else dropped out. But anyway, it was good presence of mind to keep hold of the bike and get going again. And who knows, at the end of the season, doing that and getting the points he did for fifth might just make the difference in the championship. You don't know, do you? No, you just don't, do you? We'll come to top rack in a second. Just a, a, a juicy point first. We've not really talked about much in the commentary or the podcast yet this year, but there's a few tweets coming in about people's opinions on this Ducati thing again and reckoning that Bautista's bike might have more power than... Chaz's, uh, Chaz Davis's bike and the others in the field. Now, all I can say to that is, I have had a few other riders in the field who shall remain nameless. Further back in the field, earlier this year, saying, I've been passed by that bike, I've been alongside it in practice sessions and whatever, and it does look and feel a lot more powerful. Now, I'm not saying that's the case. Do you subscribe to that? Would you, Catty, do that to you know, almost stop them being pegged back by making sure one of them's winning, but all the rest are further back. Would they yeah, do that? Yeah, well, that's how the uh, balancing rules work. You need one or... You need more than one, to be honest, uh, mm. the Ducati dominating because you don't want to 
penalise a rider for being good. So there needs to be more than one manufacturer dominating the championship for yeah. the balancing rules, basically rev limits, to kick in. To be fair, the um, they have demoted them once, haven't they? They've taken yeah. 250 revs off after the third round at Aragon. Yeah, I, like you say, I've, uh, there's a few people uh, said to me that that, that thing's quick, even yeah. quicker than... Uh, I mean, Eugene Laverty said... You know, he was losing uh, three or four tenths down the street at, at Thailand, and he allegedly is on exactly the same yeah, bike exactly. as Bautista. So, uh, there's no doubt Bautista's riding exceptionally well, and he's getting the best out of the bike. Um, certainly coming out of the corners as quick as anybody else or quicker. So, you know, it's difficult, and you're always going to upset somebody. There's yeah. the Ducati people out there who don't like us saying that it's even quicker than anything else. They say it's all. Uh, Bautista, there's other people who uh, be, believe that the bike does look quicker but it's only because of how he's riding it and there's other people think it's the wings that's making the difference, not the engine but the, the fact is that we're talking about all bikes on the grid of Superbike now are four cylinders of 1000cc so they have a similar capacity and size pistons etc etc mm. so if you can make that bike rev more, it will go faster, that's that's just physics if you can imagine a two-stroke that only uh the, sorry a four-stroke that only fires every other time the piston comes to the top of the cylinder mm. and a two-stroke a two-stroke with half the cc's in terms of capacity as a four-stroke will be around about as quick yeah all other things been equal you know amount of cylinders and etc um that's just physics so if you can make a bike rev for a given CC and configuration, you can make it go. And that bike revs to 16,000 RPM, the rest is 1,000 revs back. So it should be quick. So just to take it down to a more basic level, what do the engineers do? How do you make a bike rev more? You know, What's the difference between something revving 13,000 and 16,000 revs? What actually makes that difference? Um, the more revs you have, the lighter your components need to be. This is why smaller engines rev higher. Uh, because the pistons mm. and the reciprocating parts and the valves, etc., weigh a lot less. So it can easily move. You've got less inertia in that engine. That makes a massive difference. Also, if you rev an engine that's not meant to rev so far, you can break parts, you can snap con rods, you can break cranks, you can have pistons smashing in bits. It all has to be balanced. Um, one of the biggest advantages that the Ducati's got is desmodromic valve system, which means the valves are powered open by a cam and then powered closed by another cam. Um, the rest of the bikes on the grid use a cam to power the valve open and then a spring to close it, just like you get in a normal road car or any other internal combustion engine just about. Um, but the problem with a, a, a spring and a valve and a, and a shim bucket and shims is the fact it all weighs quite a lot. Mm. Uh, relatively <clears throat> so you get valve float so you, you have a, a finite amount you can make that engine rev before the valves don't follow the cam and then it won't rev anymore with the desmodromic system you open that valve and close it by use of a cam so you can rev it a little bit more they've used desmodromic valve system for a long time uh, after cat it and they've, they've perfected the system and that is why this engine revs a little bit more and that's why it produces more power Let's talk about the man who nearly became the 76th different winner of a World Superbike race today. The last new winner, obviously, was Bautista earlier this year. Toprak Razgati Oglu. He's pushed Jonathan Ray all the way today in a straight fight, and he's only missed out by three-tenths of a second. Yeah, a great ride by Toprak. Um, he tends to go better and be more angry in the second race and tends to get stuck in a little bit more. <laughs> um, he, I, I like him. Um, he, his career path and his progression... 
um, rate has been exactly what's been expected of him. He's doing exactly what Kawasaki want him to do. It was a brilliant race from him, but you just wonder. I mean, I don't think for a minute there were ever team orders from Kawasaki to top rack before the race because you couldn't see him doing what he was able to do. Nobody saw him pushing Jonathan for the win. Yeah, did I hear you saying on the show at the end of the races this afternoon that there were people on Twitter suggesting there might have been yeah, some sort uh, of team order there? Yeah, there's people on on uh, on social saying clearly team orders that was a clear you could tell it what you know he could have passed him but he didn't i don't think it was clear at all because i don't think there was any uh orders from kawasaki well he nearly ran into him a couple of times yeah he had a couple of close calls but that's not to say that Toprak wasn't fully aware of the situation on track mm. um involving him and the man who is Kawasaki's best chance of a world championship this year so and 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 there again there's got to be a lot of personal respect from Toprak to Jonathan as well because they've worked together for a long time they like each other Jonathan's helped him out he's towed him around circuits before um, so respect wise and the fact they both work for Kawasaki and Kawasaki give a lot of help um, to Toprak's team well you can see that that would probably have cost both of them's mind but certainly Toprak's just to put this out there had he gone past and he's ahead on the last lap do you think he would have waved him through? I don't think he do. He would have done. I, do you? I, I don't think he would. Um, he, he maybe thought about it before. I mean, he was probably aware of the situation, both in terms of the race and yeah. the the situation in terms of the championship. But whether that affected him, I don't know. But I don't. I honestly don't think there were any outside uh, orders from Kawasaki before the race. Yeah, neither do I. To be honest, amazing there though from Toprak or brilliant. I don't know. You and Shaky had a conversation. Shaky, you said brilliant, and Shaky reckons it should be described as amazing. Yeah, I don't know why I picked that up because <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I mean, which superlative do you pick, and which ones yeah. means most? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, cracking ride from Top Rack. And yeah. I think it's one of many to come. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Um, third podium now in three rounds here and fifth of his career, but definitely the best so far, I would say. Uh, Leon Haslam, two podiums. He's back on the podium. He hadn't had one since Australia. That's nice to see him up there. And he got Kawasaki's 400th podium in the sprint race today. Yeah, and it would have been three podiums had he stopped on uh, in the wet race. Um, yeah. I, he was very unlucky, a bit of an eye side, uh, lazy kind of wet with an eye quite a nasty one he said in terms of he went down with a bit of a thump um, dislocated his thumb had it put back in um, riding in a fair bit of pain uh, for the second uh, well for the Super Bowl and then the second feature race of the weekend uh, but had a really good weekend yeah he didn't if I'm honest look to have the pace of Jonathan uh, or top racking in the second race or Bautista in the, in the Super Bowl race but it's a solid weekend for the lad um, and it's good to see him with a smile on his face again we talked about Ray's teammate. Let's talk about Bautista's teammate, Chas Davis. Problem with the electronics, with the uh, da- the shifter yesterday. Uh, intermittent problem. A bit of water got into somewhere. Uh, but again, it's just been a difficult one today, hasn't it? He crashed in the sprint race uh, and finishing sort of out of the picture in the second race as well. Yeah, um, Chas, is, uh, for me, had a bad weekend uh, by his standards. We're now good yeah. of a rider, Chas is. Uh, complaining that he doesn't have a lot of rear grip. Now, he relies on rear grip uh, as they all do but he because he's got a very specific requirement to get the bike to turn in um, to the corners on the brakes and he's very good at doing that he can't do that with a short swing arm apparently we're chatting with uh, Shane Byrne about this Shaky said it runs a 30 millimeter longer swing arm which is what an inch and a bit inch and a quarter uh, doesn't sound a lot but let me tell you that is a lot longer swing arm that, that's quite a difference so that's Davis swing arm 30 millimetres longer, longer than Bautista's yeah right than anybody else on a Ducati apparently so Shane says and 
that will give you a little bit more stability, especially on the brakes and into the turns. But it, what it will do is rob you of a bit of uh, grip coming out of the turns. Uh, the problem with that is when you come to a circuit that doesn't have much grip at all, because everybody complained uh, there was a lack of grip, well, you're going to suffer worse. And I think that was part of the problem for Chaz. Could he not run the shorter one then, in theory, and try and somehow find a way around it, get well, used to it? I don't know. Is that a silly question? Not really, but all, all bike setup is a compromise. You alter one thing and it affects everything else on the bike. So yeah. you've got to find the setup that's best for you, that gives you the best compromise that suits your riding style the best. So, no, it's not so easy. I mean, you could slot in the shorter swing arm in, it'd get a little bit more grip, but then the bike would be unstable and at the turns and it'd probably lose more time. So always a compromise thought another Ducati rider who did a really good job today was Michael Rubin Rinaldi he yeah. used to fight in the stock classes didn't he with Toprak uh, so Toprak's finished second Rinaldi fifth ahead of pretty much all the other Ducatis ahead of Piro ahead of Davis um, the pressure was on in some ways because Piro was a teammate for him this weekend fifth place for Michael Rubin Rinaldi and the bike was smashed up completely wasn't it on the Saturday race what a great ride by him yeah, um, good effort from the team. The bike uh, was that badly smashed. The swing arm was uh, yeah, smashed out of yeah. it. Um, no rear wheel, lots of other damage. Um, they did a really good job putting that bike back together again uh, and to have no problems after related to the incident, you know, broken wire or something is, is a major achievement. He didn't miss a beat and he brought it home in fifth and I think that was a cracking ride for the boy. I, do. I, really, yeah. I like him, he's, he's yeah. a good kid. Yeah, he's a really good guy actually, really nice guy. Half Venezuelan, half Italian Michael Ruben Rinaldi. Much more to come of him. Uh, quick word on GRT Yamaha, then we'll move to Patti Yamaha. Cortese and Malandri, they both went for the X-Compound tyre this afternoon. I've spoken with the team uh, just earlier on and they reckon it was the right decision, but they did both go down. Um, good weekend for Cortese. They qualified on the front row. Melandri stormed through to sixth from 19th in the sprint race, but they've not picked up enough points, have they? Uh, not at all. No, Cortese's had a bad weekend out of what yeah. was looking like going to be a really good weekend. He'd looked so solid all the way and quick yeah. all the way through through uh, practicing qualifying. Um, didn't he got just, a podium, didn't he, in the sprint race? Yeah, looked out of sorts in the wet race. Didn't look to get mm. to grips with that at all yesterday. Um but that could have been a lot better weekend for Cortese. Melandre in the wars again and uh, crossing swords with people, banging in the side of people again. <laughs> yeah. um, he's always in the action somewhere. Um, but yeah, uh, off again and looked like it was all his own work. We suspected that maybe Alex Laws had something to do with it. But actually when we saw on the replay, because they were on a similar piece mm, of track, they were about yeah. the same place in the race. Uh, but it, it looked like it was all his own work. Let's talk about Tenkata. They finished fourth with Loris Baz in the wet race. So that's what I do like about the wet. It is a bit of a leveller. We had Del Bianco, didn't we, up there in sixth place for a while. Uh, dropped back in the end, but still scored some good points. But Loris Baz and Tenkata, there's still work to do, James. They're outside the top ten this afternoon. But they're getting there, and they've only done two rounds so far. Yeah, a bit of a... Like you say, in the way you can you can get results that don't properly reflect the <laughs> position of a team in the championship at that point and the development of a bike. Um, I think fourth uh, was really good for him in the wet race. Didn't really do too much in any of the dry either practice qualifying or racing. I think they were would have been aiming for or happier with maybe a seventh to yeah, tenth. I think yeah. that's what they were aiming for. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, quite. I think. In the dry, I think quite a disappointing week for Baz and the Tenkai Yamaha team. Yeah, they're getting there. I agree with you. Yeah, they, it could have been better, couldn't it, for Baz and yeah. for Cortese, to be honest. But some real positives out of the weekend, especially for Cortese. He threw away a podium with three laps to go earlier on in race two. Well, the sprint race. Right, mixed weekends for these next teams. Pata Yamaha and BMW, but some great news as well. Pata Yamaha, first of all, 
the great news was that Vandermark was a real contender and Alex Lowe's, but particularly Vandermark. He was fastest on Friday. And then it all went very wrong, didn't it? Yeah, really wrong. Um, he just set the fastest lap of that session. Uh, the checkered flag was out. We had literally 150 metres to go to the flag and that session would have been finished for him. And the bike lit up out of the last left-hander and it flicked him over the top so fast. I cannot imagine that that wasn't something to do with the bike's uh, traction control system that either failed or was different or had a blip or something. Um, maybe Yamaha won't thank me for saying this, but I can't see it was all Michael Vandermark's fault. It just went so quick. It never even thought about gripping. It spun up and had him over the top so quick. Landed heavily on his back, albeit with the airbag suit already inflated uh, on the kerbs. And it looked a real nasty one. We were very concerned for a while. Um, turns out not as badly injured as we first thought, but badly enough. Yeah. Um, he's still in hospital down here in Riminet, so he could have been such a good weekend for him. He looked to have such pace. I was thinking earlier on, um, you know, those double curbs. You've got the red and white curb, then the green painted double curb, which is a bit up and down. A lot of riders came down on top of that curb this weekend. Do you think they'll be thinking about maybe making a change there? Because that could could cause a bit of damage, couldn't it? Uh, I think that Michael Vandermatt was really unlucky. He got flicked in the air and landed on his right side and back, sort of that quarter there. Yeah, cracked ribs and uh, broken yeah, wrist, by the way. Right on the on the, the crown of, of the, the curb in there. Um, could they fly it out? Would it have made a lot of difference? Yeah, it might have made a little bit of difference. I don't know. Each crash is different. It's difficult to, to make this job 100% safe. Mm. Maybe it would have been a little bit better if it had been uh, flat or it had you know, gone right off the top of it and landed on the grass. Yeah, we were very, very, very worried, though. If uh, Not for the faint-hearted, but if you do want to see that, it's on the Eurosport website just to understand how quick these bikes are going and how quickly it got away from him. Alex Lowe's, I feel so sorry for Alex at the moment. It looked like he was going to fly the flag for Yamaha, and after everything that happened in Jerez with the incident with Johnny Ray and then throwing it down the road in the next two races when he sort of tried to make up for what had happened on the Saturday, Alex was leading race one ahead of Jonathan Ray, who he'd cleanly overtaken. He was, what, 10, 11 laps away from the win, and, and down the road she went... Uh, yeah, I'm I, I really disappointed for Alex. He'd done everything right. It's difficult. People are going to say, oh, yeah, but he's gone too fast. We're taking risks. He's pulling away. Why didn't he just slow down? Really difficult to do. He was in a rhythm. He hadn't made one mistake before that. He obviously felt comfortable. Jonathan Ray said he looked so fast and safe and comfortable in those wet conditions uh, that it's a lot easier just to keep... I'm not saying he was pushing on. He just found a good rhythm. Mm. It, it was finding the grip and everything was working well and it doesn't take much. You can crash in 15th place in the wet just as easy um, so I just think he's, he's been really unlucky the track condition was changing lap on lap because we were getting rain heavy rain in certain parts of the circuit and then it, it would start to dry out slightly in others and then it had rain in that section and he's obviously first on the scene as well isn't he as yeah, the race leader when you're leading you really you are first on the scene you don't really know uh, how where to put the pace and, mm. and unlucky really unlucky for Alex he was having a brilliant ride before that BMW Motorrad, Reiterberger out of the picture, really, which is a bit of a surprise. He didn't have quite as many new components as Sykes that must be added, but uh, Sykes, new exhaust, engine upgrade as well there. And there you are, he's put the BMW on the podium. It could have been even better, technical problem today, but yesterday, second place. Yeah, really good for Tom. Tom rode uh, fantastically. Uh, inherited uh, a, a position of two, it's, it's uh, got to be fair to say, um, but they'll take them that way. Um, the B whole BMW staff was so chuffed, and yeah. the uh, the Shomio Racing team as well, just just really, really uh, pleased for them. 
Uh, Tom rode for it. He's, he's one thing about Tom, he's steady and he's very safe in any condition. So, if anybody on the grid you would think we're going to bring it home, it would be uh, probably Jonathan Ray and Tom. Just before we go, last five minutes, let's quickly talk about Supersport and Supersport 300. World Supersport never, ever, ever fails to surprise or to entertain, does it? But handlebar banging, fairing to fairing, those two teammates, the Evan Bros teammates, Krumanaka and Karakasulo. And a lot of people thought Federico was going to win today, and he didn't. Randy did. Yeah, including me. I thought he was. Um, I have to eat my words slightly uh, when I'm talking about Randy Krumanaka. I've always liked him. Mm. I, I like the bloke. He's a he's a real gentleman. He's not. He's just a nice, nice fella in the fam in the paddock with his family. And and I've, there's nothing not to like about Krumanaka. But I just thought his age and his experience would add up to making him a little bit more circumspect, maybe better over a championship, but I thought over a race, and especially over a last lap or a last corner, do or die kind of mission, I thought that Caracasulo would do him every single time, and it's proving not to be the case. This is what it came down to, and last three corners especially, Krumanaka was quite prepared to go head-to-head with, with his teammate, Caracasulo, who complained a little bit afterwards, and I don't think he had anything to complain about. I think it was fair. I think they both rode aggressively and hard and I think that Krumanaka came out best and I think that's why Federico Caracasulo was a little bit uh, not upset but he certainly said mm. well he rode very aggressively yeah well so did you yeah you uh, know, it's and, a bit of a damaged pride situation I think. I think so yeah. uh, really pleased to see uh, Luca Myers get a, a podium and, and go off pole which was a shock by two yeah. tenths which yeah. was quite a lot in that class uh, because he deserves it he's finally getting to grips with the Kawasaki it would appear and um, I'm really pleased for him. I like his sort of riding style, very aggressive. Um, Jules Cazelle a little bit off the pace. Not not off the pace, just didn't have the ultimate pace right towards the end. A fourth place for him. Not really good enough from what we used to, but but again, you know, he's quite an honest lad and he'll, he'll tell you what the truth is and he didn't think he had the pace to go right at the front before the race. Yeah, quick shout out to Hannes Soma as well because <laughs> Soma on the Honda qualified fourth. That's the young 20-year-old Estonian and, and finished seventh. He's making really, really good progress. So well done to Hannes Soma. But yeah, you're right, Kawasaki, first front row for over a year, first podium for over a year. They had a 1-2-3 in the Superbike race. And they had a great win in the 300 race as well. But you called it, to be fair to you, very early on in that race. If Anna Kirasko can set the pace, everyone else starts beating each other, she'll win this. And it's exactly what happened. Yeah, it was a right old mashup from uh, mm. the word go, really. Carnage uh, on the first two absolutely, laps. Absolutely, yeah. Two, lap, two laps of complete carnage. You feel sorry for these kids. There's, a lot of them's got very little experience. They're all young, so they're all really keen, and given to a bit of giddiness, some of them as well. And mm. what I mean by that is the, the, the sort of they'll blindly take a, a little bit of a move on, uh, not having the experience to know whether it's going to go right or wrong, and that's brilliant. We love to see that from young riders, but it means it does go a little bit wrong sometimes. Not only that, if somebody slides down the road and, and his bike stays in the track, there's a pack of people coming, and that means, by default, half of them are probably unsighted, yeah. and we saw a couple of... Uh, there wasn't many single move crashes where one rider falls off on his own it was all to do with two or three riders and sometimes more getting caught together a run over a fallen fallen bike or something like that so really uh not i was disappointed for them uh, and and felt sorry for them that, that he ended badly in the first couple of laps for perhaps about 10 riders i think um but then the group of six at the front was a fantastic battle towards the end um i thought anna carrasco played it absolutely perfectly she's done that before and lost out on the last half lap that Assen particularly she led it with half a lap to mm. go 
and finish, end up finishing eighth. And it's easy to do in this class. It's the easiest class to make a little mistake and have it cost you the win. It didn't. She was brilliant. A little Andy Vidoya up there in uh, third place for his first podium, the 16-year-old from Nice. Manuel Gonzalez extends his championship lead in second place. Well done to him, to uh, to Manu. But Andy Vidoya, just quickly, because we talked about him a lot in the commentary last year and this year. He's the rider who Freddie Spencer knew uh, at his riding school, of course, in France two or three years ago. You've got that bad cough. Have, nasty yeah, cough for James this weekend. Matter. I can't clear it. Sorry, sorry. That's <laughs> right. That's right. We've, uh, you've got through the weekend quite well. I think that's the problem of having an air-conditioned commentary box and intense heat outside. It's quite a challenge for you, isn't it? Because you're back and forth between Prez, the presentation team with Matt and Shaky, and the commentary box. Yeah, not only that, I've, uh, uh, coming off the back of a load of chemotherapy, which uh, knocks down your immune system, not making excuses at all. Um, but no, yeah, it's, be, I it, think it's a good enough excuse. It's easy for me to get colds and sniffles and that, and I, 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 I do all right with them. I take my vitamin C and, and <laughs> yeah. put up with it. Have your orange juice. Uh, just one minute to go. Uh, your final thoughts, really, from the weekend. How does this carry into Donington? Can we expect to see Bautista's lead be whittled down again? Because he actually doesn't know Donington Park on a big bike. He was on a 250 the last time he was there. Yeah, I, I think he'll get used to the circuit pretty quick. We've seen that. He's, he's one at circuits he's never seen before already this year. I think. The circuit, will it favour the Ducati? Ah, yeah. I mean, they were going well at, at BSB. We've seen that. Slightly different mm. rules in terms of electronics at World Superbike. I think it's going to be a fairly close affair. I'm hoping so at Donington. Um, the, we're waiting for the news of whether uh, Mr Scott Redding is able to ride as a wild card. No real definite answer over that yet. Well, there goes his phone. Listen to this, everyone. He's got a fantastic... Uh... It's my, it's my favourite film. The, the Great Escape. This could sums up Anna Carrasco's race, doesn't it? Yeah, she had a brilliant race. Uh, looking forward to Donington. I think we're going to have a cracking meeting there as well. We needed to come off the back of a really good meeting to get to Donington. Uh, we need a few uh, people who think, right, do you know what? It was good, was... Um, uh, Mizano, I'm going to go to Donington and have a watch myself. With a bit of luck, we'll get a bit of good weather. And um, I'm looking forward to it, Greg. Me too. Thanks very much for that, James. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the podcast and for tuning in to the show here at Mizano this afternoon. We'll be back with the Shaky Show podcast next week after Knockhill BSB. And it looks as though it's going to be very much like Mizano, an absolute scorcher. Thanks for listening to Full Throttle, and we'll see you at Knockhill.